Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. But today on the show, it is one of our Breaking It Apart episodes where we flip the theme of our podcast and go backwards and instead look at a classic movie and what movies it inspired. And today we are talking about one of my favorite classic movies, King Kong from 1933 just celebrated its 78th anniversary and uh, I was really excited to do this episode last year before certain little pandemic hit and screwed up everything but uh, it was actually the last movie I got to see in the theater before everything closed down I saw it on March 15th 2020 a uh, special you know anniversary screening of it and it was incredible getting to see it in the theater on the big screen. You know, I by the time this comes out, hopefully I, I'll be fully vaccinated and planning my return to the theater for Godzilla vs. Kong. But if I never got to go to the theater ever again in an alternate hellscape future world, uh, that would at least be a fitting end to the theatrical experience, getting to see King Kong in the theater. But I'm happy that it looks like I'll be back soon. So, uh, yeah, joining me for this conversation about King Kong is Chris Cranock, who was supposed to do this episode with me back then, last year, last March. Uh, but, of course, that had to get put on hold, and I'm glad we're now finally able to do it. We had a really great conversation talking about a bunch of great movies, not just monster movies, but lots of other movies, too, that uh, I think were inspired by King Kong. So that's coming up here in a second. Before we get to the conversation, I do want to remind you, as always, to make sure you're subscribe to Piecing It Together wherever you listen to podcasts. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. I've gotten a lot of really nice reviews lately over on Apple Podcasts. So uh, if you enjoy what we do here on Piecing It Together, I would really love it if you leave us another review. Um, I, I like to get feedback first of all, but also, you know, supposedly it raises us up in the charts there. So that helps get the show heard by more people. So Leave a review. Five stars would be great, but uh, just let us know what you think of what we're doing here. You could also follow us on social media at PiecingPod and join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. So, with all that said, let's jump into our conversation about King Kong. All right, so this is an episode we were supposed to do a year ago on the 77th 
anniversary of this film, but he is finally here to talk about it. Chris Cranach is here to talk about King Kong. Chris, how's it going, man? I'm doing very well. How are you? I just realized Chris Cranach, King Kong. I didn't, yeah. I didn't think about that. And and all look, the time we were supposed to do this. Never. I'm giant and hairy. <laughs> so I feel too. like there's some connection there. Meant to be. Yeah, but the alliteration, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I love it. KK. I love it. All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like I'm the perfect <laughs> guest yes, for this. You you really are. You mm-hmm. really are. Well, this, this is this is exciting. I mean, we've been waiting so long to do this. We were going to do this episode a couple of days after I saw it in the theater for that 77th anniversary, and then of course this uh, this whole thing happens, mm-hmm. and that went on the back burner. But uh, now we have a whole new reason to dive back into King Kong because, of course, Godzilla vs Kong. Coming out here any day now when this One goes up? One will fall. One will fall. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> They'll probably team up and fight some other greater monster. If one does, mm-hmm. it will be back. So <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing. I was like, that's pretty bold advertising. Yeah. I roll um, my eyes. One will fall. Will they? Yeah. Are they going to trip and then stand back up? Well, all I know is I am so excited. I can't contain myself right it now. looks pretty amazing I'm, um, I'm pretty pumped i even like that rap rock song in the trailer yeah like, i like I, I don't dislike anything about it oh i can't wait yeah but today we're going to talk about the 1933 original king kong movie mm-hmm. which is definitely one of my favorite movies i i love king kong the character mm-hmm. i love this movie how how do you feel about the character, the movie, just before we start getting into things we think it influenced, which is obviously, as we talked about before we started, a ton of things. Yeah, it's like but, everything. Yeah, so many. <laughs> but are, are you a big King Kong fan going into this? Yeah, I, I am actually. It's one of those movies that it's kind of like a movie nerd movie. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of famous directors have always talked about it. and But I, I, I watched it last night in preparation for this because I haven't seen it in a while. But in mm-hmm. my life, I've probably seen it, you know, like 20 times. Yeah. But I uh, watched it last night. And what always strikes me every time is, is like just how good of a story it is. Like what a, a unique angle this crazy film director. It's kind of meta, which is interesting for the time period it was made. It's kind yeah. of revolutionary in, in and of itself that it was kind of meta. But it's about this crazy... A uh, film director that goes to this insane island and finds a giant gorilla and stuff, and so it, apparently it comes from a dream that the director originally had, and that's right. kind of how it, where it started. And it has like this really weird dream logic about it, but it, it just is such a great. It's like one of the iconic film stories. Yeah. So I understand why it's such a big influence. Uh, just from its very inception and then of course how influential it was in terms of its special effects so for me personally yeah i, I really love it yeah. and appreciate it as like a, a pioneer yeah and as a pioneer i think it actually might be the oldest movie we've covered here on piecing it together i mean maybe there's been some puzzle pieces that were older but mm-hmm. um yeah 1933 is going pretty damn far back yeah as far as and it holds go. up really well in terms of like pacing yeah you know a lot of people complain i'm a big like i love old movies and and so I think I've developed a temperament, you know, and a, a, a an appreciation for the slower pace. But with King Kong, really moves. Yeah, and uh, it feels more modern. I think it's one of the reasons why it's so enduring is that it just kind of like cooks. Yeah, you know, and I even though the Peter Jackson version added like three and a half more hours to right. the story, <laughs> yeah. or two and a half at least. Um, the pace of the original was also something I really took notice of. I was yeah. like, man, we're, you know, this is great. You know, that, that is actually funny. We actually just talked about it on our Justice League episode. I, I brought up uh, Peter Jackson, King Kong as a mm-hmm. puzzle piece for that because he took basically the exact same story and just somehow managed to stretch it out to double the length, you yeah. know? Um, and, and it's interesting that his movie is literally the same story. It's just yeah. he added all this stuff to it. 
Yeah, it's there's there's only one. I mean, I love the. We've talked about this off the podcast is how much we love the Peter Jackson King yeah. Kong, yeah. which is like a fun movie to love because everyone hates it so much. It's so weird how people, I don't. They hate it. Yeah, I don't. I don't get, get it. it. I don't get it either. I think it's amazing. Yeah. And the biggest thing that the Peter Jackson one added was the kind of uh, mutual appreciation between the Anne character and King Kong to sure. where in the original, she's just kind of the scream queen, you know, the, you know, the very famous scream her head off type thing. Yeah. But the, in the updated version, they have that kind of understanding. And, uh, that is a whole other emotional layer that I think is the, the biggest addition. Everything yeah. else is just kind of at a different pace and added more character development, yeah. but that's really the only major structural difference. Yeah. Absolutely. That was kind of interesting. I think it's interesting. Love that movie, but uh, let's start getting into some puzzle pieces here. And this, of course, is a Breaking It Apart episode, so we'll be talking instead of uh, movies that inspired King Kong, which I'm sure there are some that we could talk about, but that's getting really far back. Mm -hmm. um, so we're going to talk about movies that King Kong itself inspired. So what do you got for your first puzzle piece? Well, I'm going to begin at like, my most basic one, because I think there's an interesting story behind it, mm -hmm. which is that it, it's the son of Kong, okay. which is the a sequel. Uh, which no one talks about. Yeah. And what's interesting about Son of Kong is that it was made within nine months of the release of the original King Kong. That's insane. So King Kong was a huge hit. It was like the first blockbuster movie ever. It was, and that's another, I'll get to that later with another puzzle piece. But it was like the first big deal, played at two of New York's biggest theaters at the same time, first film ever to do that. Mm -hmm. It sold out all, even through the UK. I read some interesting factoid about how like 12,000 people were turned away from screenings in the UK. So it was like a worldwide phenomenon immediately. Yeah. And so they just capitalized on that. And they just, they took a playbook from things that are now being done, you know, 50 sure. years later, 70 years later, and they just reproduced it immediately. But what was interesting is that the filmmakers knew that they weren't going to like surpass the original. So they deliberately made it like tongue in cheek yeah. and silly. And it is a, a far worse movie. <laughs> yes. Uh, and so, yeah, to have the kind of pioneering quality in such an epic film as the original, and then to have nine months later shot, written, shot, and released within nine months. Right. So if you look it up on IMDb, they're both 1933. Yeah. Which is crazy when some sequences took several weeks to do with the stop motion animation. That's especially the crazy part is the stop motion. I would have assumed that that would be like a really complicated process that would take a lot of money and a lot mm -hmm. of time. And they just must have had like a team just yeah. that went like all in on that. Yeah, they did. And yeah. especially when they cared very little about the end product and the yeah. quality. <laughs> they were like, let's that just too. get this out, baby. <laughs> yeah. And so it's kind of like a, a kind of a funny, uh, I don't want to say comedy of errors or anything like that, but it's, yeah, it's, that's a little strong, but it's just a sillier kind of rehash. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, son, son of Kong. So I'll get back to a little bit more in some of my later puzzle pieces about what it went on to influence business wise. But this was like the first blockbuster and then the first like Jaws 4 right. you know, of its time. Yeah. So there you go. So yeah. I love it. Um, I, I, I haven't seen Son of Kong since I was a kid. I was going to rewatch it for this, but instead I rewatched the 1976 version. Oh yeah. Um, so bad. So, so <laughs> terrible. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm looking forward to checking it out one of these days. I, I haven't seen it in forever. It sounds absolutely ridiculous, but um, I'm going to go to another popular series that also has really bad entries in it. I think it's probably the most obvious possible puzzle piece for this conversation and that is kong's nemesis in the new movie godzilla yeah the 1954 original um just you know going to this very creative way to make this 
huge monster destroy shit and like yeah. really really kicking off this series so well and also in a similar way to how king kong is you know probably the best of you know of its own series I, I would say the peter jackson one equals it almost in a way sure uh but a lot of the other smaller entries are terrible i think the original godzilla is so far beyond all of the other godzilla movies i've seen yeah um i i just think it's just an idea that they it was just lightning in a bottle it was like well, let's do it with a giant lizard, yeah. but, um, you know, let's, let's make some commentary, some social commentary in there for a reason. And, uh, it just worked. It worked so perfectly in that first one. And, uh, it, there's a reason it's such a popular character, despite so many kind of cheesy sequels along the way that mm -hmm. don't really quite work as much. And that's just because it's a great character and that's why it's going to be so much fun to see them fight. I know they did once before in a very yeah. cheesy movie, but it's going to be awesome to see it in a huge Hollywood blockbuster style. Oh yeah. I'm pretty pumped about it. What's kind of cool to me about Godzilla is that it's over 20 years later. Yeah. And so at that point, Kong had already been, because King Kong was made pre-code. Yeah. Which is why we get so many awesome death scenes of like the entire crew like getting thrown off a log and falling to their death. And... Which is why Peter Jackson probably loved it so much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's really kind of mind-blowing. Yeah. There's even risque elements uh, with the clothing and kind of sexualization that was, of course, cut later. So the film had already been re-released, King Kong, several times because it was yeah. such an iconic movie so instantly that they... They recut it. They cut out all the violence and all the sex and all the innuendos and things like that. And uh, they re-released it. So Kong was already like so in the public consciousness by the time that Godzilla came around. It's kind of amazing that Godzilla was like lightning st striked or struck twice. Yeah. That there was a movie that went on to become almost equally as iconic and have such a thumbprint on a culture that where, where it comes from. Yeah. I mean, so that, so yeah, it's kind of amazing that it did follow the formula of King Kong and yet somehow became this very singular movie in its own right. Absolutely. And uh, it's kind of amazing, really, when you think about it. It really is. It, we're, we're lucky to have two characters that that big, literally, but, yeah, but, big, but big as movies and just awesome. Yeah, it's fun. I recently bought the Criterion Collection where they put all of the uh, Godzillas together mm. and I watched all of them. And there's a lot of value and fun and escapism in some of those really, really bad ones. I mean, yeah. you kind of get introduced to all the great characters that are now in that lore, like the other monsters, which sure. I think uh, Godzilla has done really well, is in, like, in, in introduced all these other great characters or as villains and yeah. stuff like that. Um, but yeah, nothing really even comes close to that original. Yeah. Not even close. Yeah, it's so true. Well, what do you got for your next piece? So I will go with Jurassic Park. Nice. As my other kind of obvious one but the thing is so these guys like the spielbergs and the george lucas's of the world and even the peter jackson's of the world they these are the guys that are always like king kong king kong king kong is like some of their favorites yeah and uh i think what king kong did that was so special and one of the reasons why even like it kind of is cross-platform all movie nerds it's not just like the the action aficionados the adventure picture people but it's also like film historians and film critics is yes the kind of revolutionary aspect of its stop motion and its special effects work, which is significant. But it's also about the spectacle uh, that escapist fantasy, you know, that's kind of become synonymous with big budget filmmaking. Right. And it's about, I mean, there was epics before. I mean, some of these silent films that were prior to King Kong 
really d- were massive scale, like things, films like Intolerance were these huge epics, four hours long, thousands of cast members. So yeah. there was kind of an epic quality to movies prior to King Kong, but King Kong had a spectacle about it. Yeah. And it kind of has such an absurd premise mm-hmm. that I think, and you know, an into- the film like Intolerance is very serious. You right. know, it's a spanning human history and a lot of uh, intolerance of human beings. And so it's a very highbrow, high concept type movie. And then you have King Kong, which is basically a smash em up, but has this great soul to it. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, so it kind of, inf- I think it was like the, 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 you know, the, the explosion of good storytelling and uh, action and the, ve- the very important spectacle. Yeah. And in my life, I'm in my 30s now. So when I was a kid, Jurassic Park was the, it was everything. Oh, it was God, yeah. such a big deal. Yeah. And that's a film that holds up to this day, in my opinion, uh, because of its spectacle. Yeah. It really does still, kind of wow you yeah well something you said uh previously there w- about it being like multiple things i think that that's like a big part of uh what, what makes both of those movies stand out so much over just your general run-of-the-mill blockbuster which both of them have you know inspired so much mm-hmm. but um you know these movies they are adventures they're action they're comedy they're special effects mm-hmm. they're they're everything all kind of rolled into one which just makes it uh, that much more exciting and that much more memorable. Yeah, the thing is, there's real storytelling in them. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing is that you know you, you you're invested in Doctor Grant and you're invested in the kids and you're you know you're invested in everybody in Jurassic Park and you're really invested in the people of King Kong. I yeah. think there's more development, ironically, in Son of Kong where there's some of the characters get a little bit more backstory, mm. but but really you still are invested in the characters of the original Kong. Yeah. And that might just be because of the, the brilliance of the story and the ingenuity of the story of King Kong. Yeah. Kind of what I was talking about at first. I was just, I was just kind of marveling last night. Like what a beautiful, it feels like it almost feels like a, um, what's the word? Like a fable that, uh-huh. that, you know, that comes from an earlier time that we kind of keep redoing. Right. Right. But that Kong has, is such a great premise that it has that, uh, that power. Yeah. And so I think that there's something uh, in the actual storytelling of both these movies besides the spectacle, what we care. Yeah. And so many action movies. Now I, I turn my brain on. I can't even pay attention because yeah. I care so little. Right. And so the only time I can even watch action now is when I'm invested in a story, unless mm. I'm going to Godzilla vs Kong, which I'm going only to watch them fight and smash stuff. Yes, if, if I'm going for that, then fine. <laughs> yeah, you know. But if I'm not going for that, I'm watching the you know 900th fight scene of mm. this week. Yeah, I can't pay attention. Yeah, and now we get like Marvel TV shows, so we get fight scenes week by week every. Yeah, you know, I have yet to watch the Falcon I, I, Snowman I, thing. I don't yeah. know what it is. I watched uh, the other one though. I yeah. liked it. Yeah, it's fun. It was good. Yeah. I like Paul Bettany. Yeah. I watch him read the newspaper. Yeah, he is pretty damn good. I like him. Well, I'm going to go with another puzzle piece here. And obviously, Peter Jackson's King Kong is inspired by King Kong. But I'm going to go with another Peter Jackson film. Mm. And that one is called Dead Alive. Oh, yeah. One of his great splatter early movies. And uh, in it, story-wise, this Sumerian rat monkey is taken (laughs) from this island, stolen from the natives. And once it gets back to the mainlands, ends up causing all kinds of trouble. Of course, in this case, uh, it's in the the way that it bites somebody and turns them into a, you know, brain-eating zombie. Yeah. So it's a little different. But uh, basically, we get the same setup, though, for the way that things get kicked off. And of course, Peter Jackson, big 
huge King Kong fan. That's where the idea comes from. Oh yeah, without a doubt. What yeah. a great movie is Dead Alive. It's so much fun. It's one of those movies that like when you're young and you get it was one of the movies for me, it was a movie that I saw over and over again at the video store. Yeah. And it had the cover with the chick with the mouth and one the of the all time best VHS thing, covers. Right, right. Best cover. And yeah, I'd always be like, what is that? I want that. I want to get that. So I finally got it and I was like, this is the best movie ever. So yeah. it's one of those things where you show all your friends and like, what a great movie. Yeah. That is on its own. Amazing. So I love that <laughs> film. So uh, what do you got next? Uh, so I want to name a couple films because there's one thing in common, which is it's the work of the artist uh, Ray Harryhausen, mm, yeah. who uh, did Sinbad, Mighty Joe Young. That's the biggest influence, which sure. is like kind of a, a cousin of the King Kong films. Uh, Clash of the Titans, 20 Million Miles to Earth. So this was an iconic um, stop motion animator from the 1950s that did most of the major, you know, the special effects work we think back on of that period was going to be the Harryhausen stamp. Yeah. And so I think uh, King Kong in it's really sophisticated. Like I was watching last night. It was amazing to watch the, the, uh, the dinosaurs fight Kong. Yeah. And how kind of brilliant it was, you know, just the, the hand craft of that is, is, is insane. So to so have good. 50 or 20 years later, pardon me, to have uh, Harryhausen kind of define that subgenre of filmmaking and special effects I could see. I I could only imagine that King Kong blew his mind. Oh yeah, and this was like this set a whole tone for now a whole distinct era of cinema. Yeah. So King Kong is definitely the influence on that stuff. Yeah, definitely. I I love his work so much, and uh, and King Kong. It's crazy. Yeah, that it came so much before that because it is so. Um, it just feels evolved. Like it feels like an art form that had already been being done for a long time. That the fact that it was that advanced at that point already mm -hmm. uh, is, is very wild. Um, I, I will I will say uh, a dream movie of mine, uh, a Ray Harryhausen biopic that is stop motion animated. Oh wow, that's that's a movie. Just I, hashtag I wanna, it. I want that to happen. Yeah, so just bad. hashtag it, and then HBO Max will give you seventy million dollars <laughs> to do it. You think they could do it for seventy million? I think so. I think so. Yeah, they they just need subscriptions. Yes, that's right. They're prostituting themselves for subscriptions. So hashtag it enough times, three times. I yeah, think I'd just I'd get it done. Let's do it, people. Piecing it together, listeners, get on it. Release the Harryhausen stop motion film. Cut. That's the hashtag. Cut. <laughs> All right, uh, I'll go with another puzzle piece here. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Shadow of the Vampire. Oh, from 2000, a really awesome movie. It's a great movie. Yeah, I, I love <laughs> it so much. Such a weird, like, great idea of a movie, but basically, uh, taking F.W. Murnau and and the idea that his Nosferatu was so realistic and so authentic uh, that that its main star Max Schreck was actually a vampire. Yeah. And kind of dramatizing that into this movie where he really is. And he's played by Willem Dafoe, who's incredible in the role. Mm -hmm. um, but here in, in King Kong, the, the reason why I have it as, as a uh, possible influence is because of uh, the Carl Denham character taking all of these actors into this dangerous situation to get the most authentic possible movie, you know, that he could possibly make. Oh yeah. And so I, it's, it's kind of similar in a way to what, uh, Murnau was supposedly doing and really doing in the movie, supposedly in right. real life. The but, great John Malkovich. Yes. Doing it also. John Malkovich. Ugh. So good. So good. Man. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a movie. I don't, I don't feel like enough people talk about. I love that movie. Yeah. I feel like that's the kind of movie that's, that's like due for a resurgence. Yeah. 
you know, it's due for a reevaluation. Yeah. Because like, it's such a gem. Yeah. Because it's also very funny. It is. Yeah, they, they knew what they had. They kind of had a, what, what an ingenious idea mm-hmm. to do that. Because the Max Shrek character is so haunting. Yeah. I mean, he really did feel like a Nosferatu. It was really, yeah. you know, the for the time period of the early, the 20s, I mean, what a fantastic job. Yeah. And yeah, very haunting. And then the Defoe version is just absolutely hilarious and fantastic. I have to imagine that that is one of the like the best times Willem Defoe has had making a movie. Ah, uh, yeah, they, it had to be so fun. Yeah, you know, it had to be so fun. And and yeah, I mean, I, I didn't even think of that connection, but it, it's very much the connection that this mad director is subjecting his cast and crew to yeah. a real monster. Yeah, that's really a fantastic piece. Awesome. That's really and I yeah, watch that film if you haven't watched that movie. Definitely. Well, what do you got next? So I won't spend too much time on this, but I'm going to have to say 2001 A Space Odyssey. <laughs> Just really briefly. Okay. But, and I think the reason why I want to mention is, again, I think uh, the spectacle. Sure. Yeah, you know, I really do think that one of the things that makes that film so enduring is uh, the larger than life stakes mm-hmm. and the spectacle of it. And I think King Kong had a really big ripple effect. Just kind of going back to that didn't ma- it kind of touched all corners of the film world yeah this kind of like weird kind of highbrow uh very avant-garde space epic yeah i definitely feel there's a lineage because i think that it's the kind of film that inspired other filmmakers there's something really unique about a movie that resonates with film people yeah there's something about it that has is some kind of like intrinsic quality about film yeah and so i think that there was a a sense of the grandeur uh is in 2001 I, I, I could see that. And I would also put another comparison there with the idea of making this this epic where you're not uh, giving too many of the answers of what, you know, what is out there in this yeah. particular world that this filmmaker is, is bringing to life. And uh, because that's not the important part necessarily, like you right. can you can think about Skull Island all you want and how all this happened and how did King Kong get so big and all this. Right. But really, there's a story here that you you have to come along for. And the rest of that is just part of it. Yeah, I feel like sometimes logic gets in the way. Mm-hmm. You know, this is kind of a kind of a strange aside, but one thing that always crops up in my mind is that movie Us that yeah. recently came out. Is I, I was really into that movie, and I really loved the setup, and I thought it was great. And I thought it did a great disservice to that film by explaining everything at Every the end. single beat is you explained know? all the way. And it's like, did we really need the specifics of why and how? And it's like, if you left that a mystery, that would, I think, entice us even more to think about it. I've hardly yeah. thought about that movie since, except to bitch about it. Right. Because <laughs> yeah. I was so disappointed that uh, I was told everything. And when you deal with these concepts that are inherently absurd, uh, like a gigantic gorilla that's in this, you know, island that's left off maps and that there's an indigenous people with a wall that he could just climb, but he yeah. doesn't for some reason. <laughs> right. Um, when you deal with these things that are, you know, inherently silly, and I use that word kind of, it's, you know, people think that I mean it, that it's flippant. Like, no, you can have really sophisticated ideas that are still at their core silly. Right. Um, and when you do, you really do them a disservice by trying to explain it because you'll never explain it well enough. Yeah. The problem is if you explain it, then our brains start going, we're looking for logic. Mm. And when we don't find any, because at the very base of this idea is silliness, because yeah. there is no logic, then we're like, oh, well, that doesn't all quite add up. Yeah. You know, so don't make me want to put all the pieces together when the pieces themselves aren't going to fit. Yeah. And that's kind of what I think uh, 2001 was wise in leaving so much ambiguous. Yeah. It, well, it's not quite at its core silly as it is philosophical, but I think that trusting its audience and letting spectacle take over 
and let you kind of get absorbed in that world uh, is, I think, a, in a way, I know it sounds kind of crazy, but I think a direct lineage from King Kong. I think he probably saw that film in his young life and thought, well, this is something, you know, this epic film is yeah. something special. I'm going to go big with this one. Yeah, because 2001, <laughs> with the one thing about it is it's so big. Yeah. It always blows my mind about how epic it really feels. Yeah. You know, I've watched big epics and they don't feel as epic as like a guy silently floating through space. There's just this massive quality about it that I think King Kong captures too. Sure. Well, I'm going to go with, I, I said before we started this that I wasn't going to do too many giant monster movies. I already did Godzilla, um, but I'm going to go with another giant monster movie because I, I just really wanted to talk about it for a second. And that is Anaconda, Ugh. which is, I think, <laughs> when it comes to like just dumb, fun, big monster movies, a giant Anaconda and Ice Cube and John Voight. And it's just... It's so silly. It's so fun. Um, of course, they're they're making a film on their way in there. They're making yeah, a documentary, so are. there's there's a connection there too. Um, and and also the crew just all being these like classic archetypes of this kind of adventure movie, you know, yeah. like and and they all have their little moments, you know. And it's uh, I I just think it's a perfect lineage to that and then unfortunately from there we start to like go downhill to a lot of the bad ones that yeah. happened over the last 20 years or so but um it's the best out of them though it's so much it's fun. better than like lake placid it's yep. better than deep blue sea like mm -hmm. it's a better more fun movie i think so i agree completely i'm, I'm glad especially with the do. documentary fall that that to me that feels totally yeah direct that's a direct reference yeah you know because it's like it was again, not, not to repeat myself, but kind of thinking about it last night, I was like, well, it's kind of an, a kind of a unique idea to have like a film crew mm -hmm. to have this daredevil film director, yeah, that wants to like go because at that time, especially, so, so many films were made in studio, yeah. So location shooting was next to impossible for just the the practicalities of it. The equipment was too heavy; it was broken easily. It didn't do well in cold or in heat. Yeah, um, you know, you didn't you had sound problems. I mean, it was it's amazing. Uh, that this 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 like idea almost reminds me of like a Werner Herzog, yeah. Who has he always would talk about the the voodoo of a location, yeah, yeah. You know and how it's like if you put you know their actors in the jungle, then they actually feel it and they're they're really frightened. So when yeah. they perform, that's infused in it and all that kind of stuff. So that's I, I think it's uh, that was one of the things that really struck me and all I always think about is how interesting that is that they like chose that meta element. Yeah, I I, I was reading a little bit um about like the background of King Kong uh, the other day. I was reading this one article and I, apparently in 1932 when Cooper was first putting this thing together and mm -hmm. even before when he was first coming up with the idea for the movie, I, I guess a lot of Americans hadn't even really seen gorillas yet mm, at that point. Wow. So because there wasn't many opportunities to see them in America yeah. and and uh so it kind of had the uh ability to go anywhere with it with yeah. like you know this is what a gorilla is this is what a gorilla can be you right. know what i mean and i kind of felt the same way with anaconda like are there snakes that big maybe i don't know it's possible you know <laughs> i would buy i'd buy it yeah i watched uh like a clip from conan o'brien like two days ago and they brought out a 25 foot python horrifying that is awful it would that swallow the, you whole yeah the stuff of nightmares <laughs> yeah you could put like three of me in there yeah i'm sure i'm a tiny man <laughs> yeah it is really frightening it's so crazy that's interesting to think about it and those i knew what's what i heard really interested really quickly is that one i mentioned earlier kind of came from a dream 
but that the idea originally was just this image of Kong on the top of the Empire State Building fighting planes. And that yeah. they like wrote the film backward from that image. Yeah. Which I, I think is really great. That there's that. And also he really wanted him to fight a Komodo dragon. But mm -hmm. then he saw something with dinosaurs. I forget what it is, but something that was being made with dinosaurs. And he just said, oh, maybe it's dinosaurs. Then I guess we got to make them real big. So, because how else would he fight a dinosaur? Yeah, how, would, yeah, how yeah. else? Wow. Yeah, that's so incredible. that's kind of the you know the dot mythology dot. of it yeah, yeah. what's interesting i know that david o selznick like one of the great producers of all time mm. you know, the, the one of the greatest of all you know of all producers in in hollywood history left the project but was the core uh executive producer at one point and actually was the one who gave the word king in front of kong at that point it was just called kong yeah i did david o selznick was like call it king kong and then was it that he was right then he bounced <laughs> <laughs> well what do you got for your next piece so this one's kind of interesting. This one's going to be uh, the early French film, the uh, Cocteau's Beauty and the Beast. Sure. So King Kong had a really big influence in world cinema as well as American Hollywood cinema, which, of course, you know, we don't hear about often, but a lot of world cinema looked at Hollywood like a beacon. I mean, almost all of world cinema is typically a response to Hollywood because that yeah. was the real major um kind of manufacturing center of, of cinema. And the the French actually had a name for something, which it was Le Morfou, which means, uh, pardon my butchering of that, of that word, but it means mad love, like insane love. Mm. And this was a concept that predated uh, King Kong. But when King Kong came out, they thought this was the greatest example of a mad love story. This mm. is like a gorilla in love with a woman and this totally insane and she's terrified and he's destroying things like this is the epitome of insane love. Yeah. So it had a huge influence. And of course the famous beauty that's killed the beast. Yeah. And you know, so when the surrealist masterpiece, the live action beauty and the beast came out, I think a lot of that relationship, the fear that turns into empathy and in some instances turns into love, mm -hmm. I think was, uh, there was ground laid by King Kong. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I I think that that, you know, pseudo love story that you've yeah. got there. I mean, it's it's so iconic. And yeah. of course, Beauty and the Beast is so iconic as well, just in its own different way from this. Yeah. But the thing is, falling in love with a big hairy creature mm -hmm. is pretty close. Yeah. That's our lives. That's my. Yeah, exactly. The women that love us <laughs> yes, love big right. hairy creatures. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to go with another piece. Uh, and really in general because and again this is goes back to the whole filmmaker aspect of the movie um but in general i was thinking of found footage horror movies in general but mm -hmm. i thought specifically go back to the blair witch project as right. an example but um going going into this this place that you know is just terrifying and you're putting everybody in danger but you're, you're going to go because you have to get that shot. It's just this drive of the filmmaker. Mm -hmm. And uh, that that's something that, you know, is through Shadow of the Vampire as well. Right. It's it's through uh, Anaconda even, you know, but but definitely I think in a lot of found footage movies, the the, the central conceit tends to be uh, let's go film this thing we heard about that's so scary. Mm -hmm. No care about whether or not it's real and no care about whether that thing is going to kill the shit out of everybody in right. your crew, you know? Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, in many ways, it's about the obsession of the director. Exactly. And so obsession is a big theme of all those movies because that's really the only, even if it's not done particularly well or intelligently, yeah. I think the, the you're right, the general conceit, the, why, why we're believing this 
is because the person behind the camera is kind of unhinged. Mm -hmm. That's a kind of a cliche and a trope that I think is, uh, it's acceptable. We just, we just go, okay, this this person has a camera (laughs) and they're still rolling during these horrible events. Yeah. It must mean that they're compelled. Yeah. And the kind of insane film directors is something that we've embraced. You know, the crazy, you know, got to get the shot person. And I think that really comes directly from King Kong. Sure. I can't think of there. Maybe there is, but I can't think of an earlier example of a director that that does that. Yeah. I know that he was inspired by DeMille, but in terms of like temperament and attitude, I don't really think about, you know, the desire to have his crew killed. Yeah. You know, that's it's like DeMille mixed with Herzog, basically. Yeah, I, I love uh, it's through a lot of these puzzle pieces here. Just this kind of meta element of, you know, filmmakers being nuts. And you yeah, know, which great. is so funny to me because I think it's a, a lot of bullshit because. I mean, so the thing is for me, and this is a very small tangent, which is that a film director could be the most important person on a set mm-hmm. or they could be the least important. Right, right. Because they could just wear their like hat, their like baseball hat and a suit jacket and blue jeans and just sit in a chair and film crews will make a movie. Yeah, yeah. Right? They can, they know how to make a movie. They don't even need the director, whatever. Unless the film is going to be good, then the director should be there to provide that vision. And, you know, obviously that goes on, it needed to be said. But there is this like notion that a director can be crazy. Right. And I don't, that's nothing further from the truth because you just have so much responsibility. There's so much to do. Like you have to be a business person. You have to be a technical person. You have to be a crafts person. You have to be artistic, of course make those creative decisions, but you also have to be a communicator, a you know, people person, a people person. Mm-hmm. So like this idea that like you wear a turtleneck and like stroke a white cat, like, and, and like, just like space out or that you're totally nuts is kind of, is, is a romantic idea. Right. You know, there's just too much, too much, the, yeah. the period. I mean, just too much responsibility, too much at risk. Yeah. I mean, I've only made films on small and medium scales and there's still so much money and time at risk yeah that you really can't be like this aloof artistic genius quietly you know stroking your goatee yeah it just doesn't exist so i love that there is this uh romantic notion of the film director that we really all just embrace it's fun it's fun and it is it's an entertaining character to watch yeah and it does it ripples through these found footage films like I'll buy that some crazy kid has his camera on, even though there's like a lizard monster destroying the apartment complex next door. Yeah. Like he's going to keep rolling. Yeah. Because the, the, that's just baked into our brains that these people are nuts. Filmmakers are crazy. So I don't know. I, I love that. <laughs> kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, what do you got next? Uh, I'm going to do uh, Jaws. Sure. Another Stevie film. Oh, yeah. Who, he's, he can wear an ascot and sit quietly in a corner. That's right. the only director who can do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he does often. Um, <laughs> and so to me, Jaws is kind of going back to what I mentioned earlier about how I think it, King Kong was a, was a, uh, a uh, kind of a fever dream of the future mm-hmm. of how the industry would actually work, the King Kong and Son of Kong thing. Because I blame Jaws, and I use the word blame. I blame Jaws for like destroying cinema and then Star Wars coming and pissing on cinema's grave. Okay. Um, in terms of roadshow distribution, right? Yeah. So how it used to work is film would be made, you'd take it around, and you'd put it in theaters, and it's a basic distribution model. And then the multiplex idea came around, well, let's make merchandise and toys, and let's put the movie in every possible theater at yeah. once, and that kind of thing. So that kind of destroyed roadshow distribution, which is the very seed of what's kind of destroyed the middle movie. Right. It's now the blockbuster or like the indie on like five dollars type thing that we're dealing with. Yeah. So I use these words extremely harshly for comic effect. Obviously, I love Jaws because it's a great movie. Right. But 
it is evil also. So, <laughs> so, um, so I think that idea of like this template having one, it has a big monster, right? Mm-hmm. This is more grounded in reality as a big shark. It's a superb movie, right? You know, it's a really great horror film, suspense film. Um, but that has that in common, but it also was this, uh, let's repeat our success until it's laughable. I was just going to say, it's funny that like Godzilla, Kong, even Anaconda had direct video sequels. Like yeah. all these movies need to be repeated over and over again until they suck. Well, yeah, because they're, ba- <laughs> I mean, the basic concept of them is so repeatable. Yeah. And, you know, monster destroy stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, that's it. And, but it, the way that it's hurt film, and this is kind of interesting, the way if there really is this direct lineage between Kong and Jaws, the way that Kong has hurt cinema is that it kind of opened up the door to saying, well, let's use the same storyline this over and over and over again. Yeah. And in this instance, it's the direct sequels. So we have, you know, by the time we get to like Jaws 4, it's like, you know, Jaws has legs and it's on land or whatever. They get like really absurd and ridiculous by the time they're so bad that no one wants to watch them and then the franchise dies. Yeah. Now we're seeing it in other films. Like I just, not to talk too much shit, but I just watched Justice League. <laughs> And it's like basically Transformers mm-hmm. and Avengers. Yeah, it's the and, and it's it's not really the fault of Justice League. It's just that every the last twenty years have been that. Right. You know, it's essentially Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings is just better at, at it's better story. We care more about the characters, yeah. but they all need a thing. They have a thing. They want a thing. They mm-hmm. want to stop another thing from getting a thing. Yeah, they it's have usually, one thing. They need three. They need three. <laughs> they can't have the two come together. Right whatever yeah. so it's all the, it's all it's macguffin cinema uh-huh. and they and so uh in a way it makes me kind of relax because at a movie as early as 1933 uh we've been sold the same story over and over again yeah and there's not really a, a laboratory process to film they try to they it's the the risk is too high to lose so much money yeah so that's why the the hollywood industry is not really conducive to true experimentation or art is because it's too risky yeah. The, the, the overhead's too high. So I understand it. It's just a bummer. Yeah. And I think Jaws, uh, because it basically changed distribution, it is the logical conclusion of what they tried with Son of Kong. Mm-hmm. They thought, oh, this is a way to actually change the model that we get films out. Yeah. And uh, it couldn't have happened with a better film. I mean, Jaws really is great, all kidding aside. Sure, sure. But it did have long-lasting damaging effects on the actual industry. Yeah. Well, I'll go on to another piece here. Uh, I'm going to go with Planet of the Apes. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be in there. I mean, I, I honestly don't even have that much to say about it. I mean, I like some of them. I <laughs> There's don't monkeys. Like some of them. There's monkeys. I mean, what, what more can you? What more do you want from me? I, I guess you could also say uh, wow them with the ending, you know? Well, yeah, go big. Yeah, go big. I love wow them with the ending. I always think about that when I'm writing my own material. Yeah. You could have flaws. You could have problems. Yeah. Wow them in the end. That's right. Mm-hmm. It's important. Wise words. <laughs> <laughs> and it's true. The endings are so epic. Yeah. Two, two of like the all time like classics right yeah, there. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. I mean, the Kong on the uh, Empire State Building might be the definitive like American film image. I Yeah. I think that would be a fair thing to say for you sure. You could say it. You could make that argument. Yeah. And it's so great. Yeah. It really, again, that kind of comes back to that, the, the, um, the epic nature of it. Yeah. It really feels epic. All the more reason that the 1976 one is so bad because they <laughs> screwed up the Kong on the top of yeah, the big how building. Yeah, screw that up? <laughs> it's the one thing you got to land. Yeah. And it looks terrible. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, I I, th- I mean, I appreciate the whole like updating of the industry to yeah. a, a, you know accommodate the time. That's a cool idea. The yeah. whole post Vietnam thing, mm-hmm. but it is weird also mm-hmm. to think that's let's use King Kong as the vehicle to make a socially conscious film. <laughs> that's something they would do now, actually. I but you know, yeah, it seems like a lot of big blockbusters have something under the surface like that. Yeah, that's generous saying that it has something under the surface. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like on the surface yeah, yeah there's <laughs> sharing the surface yeah, i think sharing. is the best way <laughs> to yeah. describe there's nothing under these films that's true um but no that's really that's funny yeah. and yeah no uh planet of the apes for sure yeah i mean it's so good it's great i even like the new planet of the apes i love the new i love the very last one war yeah. for the planet it's like it's a so damn good. Then they fight the most right uh they, there's a lot of fighting it's also pretty much a silent film for like 90% of it. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's just awesome. Yeah, I'm going to revisit those cuz I remember enjoying all of them. Yeah. Including Pouty James Franco. <laughs> yeah, he was he was pretty good. He's pretty it. pouty in there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, what else do you got? I'm going to go with uh Cronenberg's The Fly. Oh, sure. Uh because I mean that's probably the most mainstream example of a Cronenberg He's like his success story was mm. the the fly with Gina Davis and Jeff Goldblum. And again, it's kind of a more psychological, it's, it's considered kind of like a subgenre that he really kind of championed and is the king of, which is called body horror. Yeah. And it has a lot to do with like mutations and really graphic imagery and stuff. And, and the fly is pretty intense visually and, and conceptually to be such a mainstream success. It really was. Yeah. He made films like Dead Ringers prior to that, Videodrome, films that were extremely visually stunning scanners and stuff, but nothing really hit home the way the fly did. Yeah. And I think the idea again, kind of, I, I, I sound a little obsessed with this, but the, like the love story mm-hmm. of loving these creatures. Yeah. Cause to me, that's like one of the most special things about Kong and why I love the t- 2005 version so much. The Peter Jackson Jackson version is because they accentuate that. Like we mentioned. Yeah. But there's something like in the seed of like these creatures that are really, it's their accidents. You know, they're all victims. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know and like Kong is exploited and chained up and yeah. stuff. And you feel for Kong. And even he's like the least uh, empathetic. Godzilla is like a mutant from nuclear testing. And so there's like a human element to creating this idea. And and uh, the fly was an accident. The fly flew into the chamber when he was like, you know, doing a scientific experiment. And he morphed yeah. with a bag. And he's just like really in love with her. And he wants to pass on his human seed. Like, there's a lot of hu- humanity in these stories. Right. And so I think The Fly is a great example of kind of going on the darker, weirder spectrum. Yeah. Uh, the, the grosser, dirtier spectrum. But what makes it work and appeal to us is like this humanity at the core of it. And that's something that King Kong has inherently. Yeah. So The Fly is, is, again, kind of that love story is it being a tether to the humanity of these monsters. Yeah, no, interesting piece. And yeah, definitely, uh, like you said, like it's like a darker, weirder take on that kind of monster human relationship yeah but, uh but yeah definitely i could see that and i i did i don't want to ruin the puzzle piece if it's yours but one just popped up in my head the shape of water oh yeah sure i, I did not have that on my list it's, li- yeah. it's like that one's one of the most overt because she just like i mean gina davis on the fly is like don't touch me freak yeah, yeah and there but there's still like a love and an empathy yeah but when in in shape of water she's just like i want to bone this guy yeah she's definitely. like cooking eggs dirt, masturbating in the tub yeah thinking about him yeah so they just went it was like that was that talk about a logical conclusion yeah they took it and ran shape with of it. water was like she's gonna not only love him she's gonna <laughs> fuck the shit out of him <laughs> And I was like, wow, okay. Yeah. King Kong would have a little trouble with that, but uh, yeah. you know, 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's not possible in con. Yes, but, I think so. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I only have one more piece, uh, and I, I'm going to combine a couple things, actually. Not movies, but video games. Mm. Um, I was going to bring up two games that I thought were inspired by King Kong. Um, first of all, of course, Rampage, which was made into a movie with, with The Rock. The Rock. Yeah, but uh, these giant monsters scaling buildings in, in a city and trashing shit i mean rampage sure. is one of the great arcade video games and yeah. uh i love that movie i am one of the defenders of it surprisingly I just think, fun it is it's so much fun it's just dumb fun but it delivers on the the prospect of let's see giant monsters smash buildings and not a lot of video game movies do that right um the other one i wanted to bring up is primal rage the fighting game with stop motion animated monsters fighting each other oh wow and that is like a perfect example of what makes king kong so great with all of the uh the the monsters fighting kong the whole time and especially with the stop motion uh you know technique being used to bring that game to life it's just so uh similar in style as well yeah and no, i i forgot I, I love rampage and who doesn't but that's yeah. that one i totally forgot about yeah hearing those words were those like whoa yeah i thought about that i'm rage that. rules that was it was always mortal Kombat. which by the way that movie's Ugh. coming out too can't wait god it looks so good looks so damn good if that's if that's not the best video game movie of all time it's a disappointment let's yeah. put it that yeah. way my expectations <laughs> are too high knowing what i know about these types of movies yeah i should be like no it's gonna There's suck no way and then be, be pleasantly surprised I expect it to be a masterpiece. Oh yeah. I don't know 100%. what I'm doing. Stop me. <laughs> We're sick. We're I, sick to our heads. The trailer's so good. It's the best trailer ever. I've watched it 700 times. <laughs> it's so good. Oh man. Yeah, but no, it was Mortal Kombat, it was Street Fighter and then the kind of underneath the, the that level was Primal Rage and it, yeah. it ruled. It was such a great game. Wow. Well, that's my last piece. Do you have any other pieces? I only have one more and I'll, it's Perfect. super brief. It's just um because then it's actually a great lead-in from talking about uh, Shape of Water, which is Pacific Rim. Sure. So Pacific Rim, I, I don't really, I haven't seen Pacific Rim in a long time. I yeah. don't really remember virtually anything about it. Mm -hmm. uh, one of those movies I just stopped paying attention, yeah. uh, even though my eyeballs were looking at it. But, <laughs> uh, but Guillermo del Toro made the film, uh, which is always, I understand, that was like his cash grab. That mm -hmm. like got him his Oscar, I think. It's like he had to do a deal with the devil right, to get right. his movie up at that, you know, to play the political game of winning a best picture for right, shape of water. Right. So I, when I look at that, I'm like, okay, I see that's, that's your Cape fear Scorsese. Yeah. I got, <laughs> I get it. But, uh, so no, when I think of, when I think back on what I vaguely remember about Pacific Rim, it's about big monsters fighting mm -hmm. or big robot people fighting monsters. Sure. And, uh, the, the only thing I, I really know is that del Toro, is is probably deeply obsessed with King Kong. It's oh, probably, God, it's probably yeah. the film, like one of the films that changed his life. Is my I'm just guessing. Yeah, but I feel like he whatever. There's references in there. Yeah, I don't remember them. Yeah, but they're in there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I wish I I liked those movies more because I love the concept. Oh my God! There's another one. Yeah, those movies. Two, yeah, there's two of them. There's two of them. Oh, there's sure. also anime and stuff like that. Whoa! But yeah, they they went they went all in for the fans on that one. But uh, also fans, you're throwing big words at me here. I, I didn't know that they were fans. I'm telling you, they, they're gonna write in. They're gonna have <laughs> hashtag <your head>. release <laughs> the third <laughs> cut of the. I don't know. There probably is one, but uh, we'll, we'll get it. It's eventually. the NC17. It's actually Pacific Rim mixed with. Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. That's release 
the del toro cut i don't know uh, hollywood has completely lost its mind there's at this 30 point. batmans at yeah. this point yeah at the same time it's true it's i can't true. keep i don't want to keep up yeah i feel, I, I, sound, I feel like i'm an old curmudgeon but it's all crap we're in a very strange time yeah. i go on i cut you off. no 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 there's no there's nothing more to say about pacific rim except for that uh yeah i mean come on del toro loves seeing giant monsters so yeah he must love king kong yeah he, i feel like that's gonna be like if you asked him it'd be like a top tenner Come to think of it, Del Toro would be a great director, I think, for my theoretical Ray Harryhausen stop motion animated. Oh yeah, biopic. I'm sure he has original dolls that oh, they yeah. used in the films. Have you ever seen his house? Oh yeah, it's insane. Yeah, it's like a collectible dreamland. Oh, he so, he would. Yeah, I want that movie now. That uh, that's that's the movie for well, his next Oscar. Well, I'm Get telling you, I don't think HBO Max is in the green yet. <laughs> Well, so a couple maybe, more hashtags and you're there baby that's how it. cinema's made now that's true most filmmakers were afraid of like um test audience mm-hmm. stuff there they didn't want like filmmaking by committee yeah and now it's a uh, internet hashtag that's how movies are made at the highest possible level that's right you gotta you gotta you gotta get with the times evolve <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so uh, our finished puzzle for King Kong included Son of Kong, Godzilla, of course, Dead Alive, Ray Harryhausen Films, Shadow of the Vampire, 2001 A Space Odyssey, Anaconda, uh, Beauty and the Beast, The Blair Witch Project, Jaws, Planet of the Apes, The Fly, The Shape of Water, Primal Rage and Rampage, the video games, and Pacific Rim so yeah, I you know something that popped up early in our going through that conversation is the whole meta aspect of commenting on filmmaking. I think that's just like a big part of this whole discussion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think that's I think that's why it has a special place in film people's hearts. Yeah, because of, it kind of invented the director archetype. You know, the the kind of crazy madman director that will do anything for their vision. Yeah, and that's something that I mean, all kidding aside even with our kind of weird modern times is that directors still uh, fight for their vision. Sure. You know, they, and so I think that that kind of strikes some weird sentimental chord in film people probably. Yeah. That there's a, there's a character that will sacrifice everything and does. Yeah. And it's tragic and epic and beautiful too. Yeah. There's some shots like when they're in the jungle in the original Kong that's so, that are so stunning. Oh yeah. They're visually beautiful. Oh yeah. The movie is really gorgeous. It really is. And the restorations have done a really great job. Yeah. They took all the film, all the stuff that was cut for the censors in like the fifties and stuff they've re they've put back in. Mm -hmm. Apparently there's like one scene that was lost, unfortunately that they, they, they've never recovered from the the original cut. Hmm. There's all kinds of mythology about like the, the spiders and stuff that Peter Jackson went back in and put in again. Apparently there was something shot and cut and that's gone too. But the film has been restored and looks really beautiful and, and is like a 4k transfer now. And it's absolutely stunning. I watched it on HBO max uh, after I subscribed to get Justice League. Yes. I'm J- JK. I'm yeah. kidding. Um, <laughs> and uh, it looks stunning. Yeah. It looked really good. Yeah. No, it looks absolutely beautiful. And um, yeah, it, like I said, I mean, it being such such an older film, it, it's crazy that the stop motion is just so advanced and like looks so good when when these, these you know, when he's fighting Tyrannosauruses and stuff like that. It's yeah. like, I remember... Because I hadn't seen the movie in, even though I loved it, like as a kid, I hadn't mm-hmm. seen it in many, many years when the uh, the Peter Jackson one came out, and I watched it like in the lead up to the Peter Jackson one, and because I was so excited for that movie, and I was like, I, I don't think he fights 
Tyrannosauruses in the original, does he? And sure enough, yeah, he, he likes Tyrannosauruses. It's like that they were able to do that that yeah. far back is pretty damn wild, and it all just looks so good. Um, yeah, awesome, awesome movie. Well, uh, can I ask you one thing before you wrap up? Yeah, sure. Because this is our chance. Sure. What connects with you about the 2005 Peter Jackson version? Why do you love it? Well, I I feel like it. Uh, to me, the the biggest thing, and I agree with you what you said earlier about how it, it expounds upon that relationship mm-hmm. um, uh, between Andero and King Kong, which is great that that we get more of that. Um, but I also just think that it's some of the most exciting, fun uh, blockbuster moments that I've ever seen. That and Jurassic Park basically are yeah, the best. I think so too. I agree with that. Like, uh, I I remember watching. Um, the Avengers Endgame, which I had my problems with, but the feeling in the theater mm-hmm. after like, you know, 10 years culmination and hearing the audience be that excited was such a amazing film experience. For sure. Me. And then when I watched the foot, when I watched the film later at home, I didn't feel that. I don't think the actual film did that. Right. right. It was the audience doing it. So, and when I go back and watch Jurassic Park, I can watch that film anytime. Mm. I love that movie. You know I mean? I can watch it at home and it still thrills me. And same with this new King Kong is that, yeah, it's, there's a lot more humanity in it. And I love the Adrian Brody character, mm-hmm. much less misogynistic than the character in the original. <laughs> yeah. I, I was the line last night that really cracked me up. She was like, you don't like women. He's like, no, I don't. <laughs> but, I, but, I, but I love you. And I was like, holy shit. There's like, there like 40 straight minutes of everyone bitching and moaning that this lady is on board yeah like, they can't go on boats <laughs> I, you don't like women no i don't yeah i was blown away by that yeah, there's a few but, problematic elements of the time but, yeah well, that's uh, what, they, what it is what it is <laughs> i don't want to erase it yep um but i was blown away i was like wow this is hilarious so there's a lot more obviously of an updated sensibility of the new film also but uh but besides the humanity of the Peter Jackson film, it, it, you're right. The spectacle, mm-hmm. it really delivers. Yeah. There's a plausibility. It's really tough with CGI um, because sometimes CGI, when done really well or done sparingly, adds to your imagination. And then sometimes when it's just all, it's like a big muddled mess of CGI, it really sure. takes away from the reality of the experience. Yeah. And so I think they did practical effects work and CGI work really brilliantly in that 2005 Peter Jackson one. Yeah. And I really believed everything. Yeah. And so it may, and I cared about the story. I was invested in the characters. And so those thrilling moments were a hundred times more thrilling yeah. because I cared about who fell off the log. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, I hope more a modern action people that are inspired by the original King Kong or inspired by Jurassic Park, they remember that we need to care who's on the log. Yeah. Not just that there's someone falling off of it. I think we should bring up one more thing before we wrap this up. Um, and that is King Kong himself. Um, I feel like he, as a character, is mm-hmm. just so, uh, you could connect with him so much, even though he's this giant monster. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm just wondering if you have any any thoughts on that and like and why that is. Like, Going into Godzilla vs. Kong here in a few weeks, I know you know a lot of people are Team Kong, a lot of people are Team Godzilla. You know, I'm go, Team J- into- I'm Team Jacob. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Go. <laughs> well, I I can't I can't understand how anybody could not be Team Kong because yeah. I mean he's he's King Kong. He's like he's our guy. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean if you're Japanese, then you should be you know Godzilla. Yeah, I if guess you're the- American. Yeah, you know, I'm just kidding. I'm yeah, not- sure. Yeah. I'm- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. No, uh, no, you're right. I think, you know, what's great about Kong as a character 
is he's curious mm-hmm. and he protects the characters yeah. I mean, in a lot of ways. And, you know, again, it comes down to that, that romance in a way, that love story, that, that affection, that protector quality yeah. to where Godzilla like saves people like by accident. Yeah. You know what I mean, he like, he fights other crazier monsters, but there's no real humanity in his character. Exactly. And with Kong, um, he's virtually a human character. Yeah. And he had, because he's silent because he can't speak, he can only roar. He has this kind of chaplain esque quality, which yeah. I think that they also really do beautifully in Peter Jackson's film. They actually oh, yeah. accentuate that kind of chaplain esque. Definitely. You know, Cause she's like an acrobat or whatever. And she's, way more talented than Fay Ray, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I love the moment when she's juggling and, yeah. and, and, and he just like is totally bored by it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or like even the ice rink yeah. scene. Great, great. You know, these are all very Chaplin-esque, innocent things. And I think to some people, they might seem cheeseball, which might be part of the complaint about the film. But to me, that's hearkening back to the essence of the success of Kong in the first place. Sure. Is that he has this kind of childlike... Um, protective quality for Anne. So I think it's, again, it's just like, it's, it's his humanity. Mm-hmm. I think he's fierce and like badass. Like he has all that going for him too. Yeah. And he's really scary. And yeah. like, you know, but also too, I mean, we don't really know what Godzilla is. It's just like a lizard monster that has no real basis in reality. Yeah. So where we look at Kong and, and we, we can see a gorilla, you know, can see a, a primate that's close to us and DNA and sure. So I think there's even some of those weird subliminal levels too, that yeah. it's just a real thing we can wrap our minds around. Right. I think that the, the, the suspension of disbelief, which cinema does better than any other art form mm-hmm. still has its limits. Yeah. You know, I cared about Thanos because it looked like Josh Brolin, Right. you know, and it had a gravity about that character. I was invested in that character. Yeah. You know? So, and that's a big ridiculous purple, you know, grimace but I still found myself involved in him because there was a sense of reality. Yeah. There was a sense of humanity to it. So no matter what, even if people love escapism, they always kind of want to be reminded that they have one foot in something real. Sure. And I think Kong from a monster by far represents that the best. I, I love it. It's a great place to, uh, to end this. Uh, Chris, is there another movie you watched recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Other than Justice League, the Zack Snyder. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you have time to watch the modern masterpiece mm-hmm. that is Transformers, Lord of the Rings, and Avengers, <laughs> you should definitely watch Justice League. No, I, um, I real quick, my anecdote about that, I tried to watch it four days consecutively, uh-huh. and I kept falling asleep. Just the Justice League, I mean. Mm. I kept falling asleep after 10 minutes. And so HBO Max has on its logs that Chris Cranock watched Justice League like five full times. Because when I fell asleep, I would just let it play. It would just play mm-hmm. uninterrupted. They're like, this guy is committed. Yeah. Because in five days, he watched it five times in its entirety. And when in reality, I did not do that. Doing the Lord's work, Chris. Doing, yeah, I'm helping yeah. that sequel. <laughs> That's right. That will explain even less and leave you <laughs> wanting more. Some, I don't know. We can't but, wait. No. So what else? Um, Promising Young Woman. Sure. Is an interesting one to check out. I Care A Lot mm-hmm. was another one, kind of similar in some ways. And uh, Nomadland. Oh, yeah. Good, great, great. Uh, I think Nomadland might be like my favorite of the year. But as yeah. you asked me, I'm kind of behind. I'm ashamed of myself because I, I've been really, really busy, which is a good thing this year, making my own work. Yeah. But I've really not been as, uh, I haven't caught up as much on the 2020 films as I should be. Yeah. So I'm not the guy to ask right now. 
Well, Nomadland is excellent, and the others are good recommendations as well. So, uh, yeah, I think that does it. Chris, why don't you tell people about some of that stuff you've been working on? Okay, so uh, last time I was here, I was here to plug my own film, Bizarro e Fantastico, and that Mm -hmm. is still kind of not even really released yet. We kind of did like a release for family, friends, and colleagues and stuff, but it's doing the festival circuit. The festival circuit is super weird right now because of COVID. So most of the ones we want to hit are like shut down or they're only remote. So right now it's password protected, but if you want to see the film, I'd love you to see it. It's only kind of a loophole that we have to, you know, or it's a, uh, the password is kind of some contractual thing we had to do for the festivals, but I can give you the password. So you can contact me. You can even reach out to Dave and he can put you in touch with me. And I, you can see the film. If you think this guy is so full of shit, taking a shit on Justice League the entire time, why doesn't he make a movie? <laughs> I made a movie and you can watch it. Then you can judge if I'm a piece of shit or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, I'm making two films right now simultaneously, which is really insane. And I'm getting a play produced, but that's going to be in France. So a lot of your listeners might not be able to see it right away, but we're looking to get that out as well and try to get it performed, maybe even filmed. And so people will have access to the play that's called The Imposter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's all kinds of really crazy stuff happening right now. So Bizarro e Fantastico is out and ready to watch. You just got to get your password. And I got two new films coming out this year, hopefully, and the play. And that will be uh, somewhat available sometime soon. Well, I look forward to hearing about all those projects and uh, look forward to getting you back on the show again. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me in person. Yeah. This is the first one in a while. So Thanks, dude. Hey, I'm Josh Bell. I'm Jason Harris. Hey, Josh, we're friends in real life, but we're also co-hosts on this new podcast called Awesome Movie Year, where we take a look back at an awesome year for movies and do a deep dive looking at movies, including the best picture winner, the biggest movie at the box office, future cult classics, and more. Including the biggest flop. And this season, we're doing 1994. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. That could be Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. We're all over the web as well. at Awesome Movie Year on all the socials and awesomemovieyear.com. So please like us, subscribe. And uh, if you do like us, give us a five-star rating because we love you. All right. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation about King Kong. If you like what we're doing here on the show, make sure to leave us a review over on Apple Podcast or Podchaser. Those five-star reviews are awesome. We love them. We appreciate it. We thank you. Leave us some reviews. Also, make sure you're subscribed wherever it is you listen to podcasts. And uh, don't forget to share the show with your friends, with your family, with your fellow movie lovers. We just want to keep getting this show heard by as many people as we can. So we thank you so much every time you do that. Uh, you could also follow us on social media at Pod, And don't forget to join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. We will, of course, have an episode on Godzilla vs. Kong coming to you soon. Uh, but I am just putting my paw down and refusing to watch this movie at home even though it's on hbo max i i am not going to watch it that way this is the biggest movie of our lifetime and uh i'm going to see it in imax for the first time no matter what i get my vaccine april 4th i'm not sure when this is going up yet uh so i might already be vaccinated but you know you got to wait the two weeks after that second vaccine so april 18th I'm going to see this movie, and then we will get this episode going. So uh, look forward to that Godzilla vs. Kong episode, even though it's going to be a little late, but I'm I'm not going to skip over it. It's going to happen. 
So look forward to that. And uh, one other thing, don't forget about our Patreon, the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where we post bonus content from Piecing It Together, as well as advanced episodes before they hit the main feed, and also bonus content from Awesome Movie Year, all the other podcast-related stuff I'm involved with, as well as my music career. Um, I'm actually planning a single release right now that will come out soon as a single on Spotify and iTunes and all that stuff, but I will be posting it first on the Patreon. It might even be up by now, actually, now that I think about it. Uh, It's called Destined for Greatness, and that is going to be up real soon. Uh, But also, I've got a lot of other music-related stuff planned for the Patreon over the next couple of months, so keep an eye out for that. But check it out, patreon.com slash Rosen. If you really love what we're doing here and want to support the show, that is an amazing way to do it, and we really appreciate it. And the more people that subscribe, the more content we're going to make. I've got plans for all kinds of bonus content and special kinds of episodes that kind of play with the format a little bit. So we're going to do more and more of that if we get more subscribers over there. So check it out. So with that said, let's close this thing out with a piece of music. And I wanted to close it out with a big one for a, a movie like King Kong. So I think I'm going to go with a song from my most recent album, David Rosen. It's just a self-titled album, and uh, this is the opening track, Creation. This is definitely a big track, so I thought it would be a good fit for King Kong and going big and going huge and gigantic. So, uh, yeah, let's close it out with Creation from my latest album, David Rosen, and we'll be back with more Piecing It Together coming up real soon.
Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.